Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello, and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, Ken Hellenius, sitting in my living room in beautiful South Bend, Indiana, and sitting across from me in his beautiful book-filled office is the man who's worn out 38 step trackers over the years just because he walks on pilgrimage that much. He is the beloved dynamic deacon, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. Hello, Ken. How are you doing this fine day? I am just fantastic. It's where we're, what, nine days into the new year plus, you know, and uh, yeah, things are going well. We're, we're happy. And as my father would used to say, fat, dumb, and happy. That's a good way to go through life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always good this time of year. It's just, you know, time where, you know, I take a break and, you know, uh, although I'm, uh, you know, heading, heading out now, you know, <laughs> yep. my first, uh, first jaunt of the new year, but, uh, but it's, it's been nice to be home for the last few weeks just to relax and, uh, you know, kind of reconnect with everybody in the family again, you know, the, the college kids home and it's been a um, real wonderful experience. Yeah. You could, you Jules do anything special during the break. I mean, I just stay home because I travel so much. I just want to stay home. Right. Right. <laughs> so. Well, we were socked in right at the beginning of uh, the Christmas break, uh, because, uh, just like just before Christmas, we got a blizzard that basically hit town and, uh, had us kind of socked in for the first couple of days, like right at Christmas. But, uh, after that, you know, just, um, we met up with friends, uh, a very good friend from Portland who's now here uh, in South Bend, Father Jim Gallagher, who did campus ministry at the University of Portland. Oh, and, yeah, sure. Yeah, I remember so, Father Jim yeah. from our time there. That's right. Yeah. Father yeah. Jim is now the uh, the rector of uh, Moreau Seminary, which is the house oh, of formation wow. for the Holy Cross uh, congregation. Yeah, I, I, well, my dorm is right near there. Okay. You know, may she rest in peace. Not there now. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in fact, we used to go play basketball over at Moreau. Sure. I forget what night. I forget what night. Uh, Wednesday night or Thursday night was was the Holy Cross night. And a bunch of us used to go over there and shoot hoops. Every Well, when I had time, we'd go over there and right. shoot hoops. And uh, and I'm, I was never very good at basketball, Ken. You know, I just, <laughs> I just went for the, for the fellowship and for the brotherhood and just, you know, just the, the exercise, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I used to play right bench for my, uh, a basketball team, <laughs> it's CYO team in grade school. Uh, and that's about as close as I ever got to the, uh, to the court. I think one time I was put into a game and, uh, the coach told me if you uh, throw the ball behind your head like you do in practice. I will take you out of the game. So, of course, the ball came to me. What did I do? Uh, I went right back to the bench. And so, uh, yeah, I I have no athletic skills. Uh, I also have no <laughs> musical skills. I play a mean iPod, but that's about it, you know. So, <laughs> unlike you, I mean, you're a drummer and a musician. I mean, you, you've been part of a band. Well, All guitar, yeah. Guitar, guitar player, yeah. yeah. Although, I've been listening to a lot of drummers lately. I don't know. I've been. I, I don't have a desire to play drums, except like air drums, you know. But right. Um. But I've been listening to a lot of drummers lately. I was just been getting into, to drummers, you know. Um. Hmm. Don't know why, but uh. But just been really enjoying that experience. That's fine. And uh, I still play guitar every once in a while. I still have it plugged in, and I pick it up every once in a while and noodle around. But uh, 
You know, yeah, the glory days of musicianship are pretty much gone now. Well, uh, they can so, come back. Yeah. You can always, It's I, I'm told it's like riding a bicycle, uh, although I don't really ride a bicycle anymore either. So, <laughs> Dang, Ken, there's a lot of things we used to do. We're not doing anymore, I man. Know, Get right? old. Yeah, that's the, uh, a friend of mine just had his half birthday and he said, boy, uh, I, uh, I'm 47 and a half. I've never been this old before. How do I do it? You know, he asked me because I'm like a year older than him. <laughs> so yeah, now you just tend to lose the, uh, lose all the things. What, what is it that St. Paul even writes? You know, when you were a child, you were fed on spiritual milk, but now that you are an adult, you eat the, you eat the meat you know, kind of deal. Um, and I guess yeah, that's the way our, yeah. our hobbies go too. That's right. Well, what's, what's happening with the Dean Nicholas center this year? You know, we're in a new year now and, uh, yeah. well, um, I'm always curious as what kind of new and exciting things are happening yeah, at the well, center, like any plans for 2023 or. So just next week we are uh, returning to the March for life. Uh, this will be our ah. first time back in person in a couple of years. We're actually going to host this fantastic roundtable discussion the evening before the March for Life. Uh, we have an initiative called the Women and Children First Initiative at the DCEC. And this roundtable is a discussion about building a civilization of love. So we're bringing together a panel of experts in law, public policy, uh, health care, uh, actual, you know, mothers. Um, it's a fantastic panel because it's all women that are going to be involved in this uh, roundtable discussion. And they're from all walks of life. And we're really looking forward to that. So that's on Thursday, the 19th. Uh, we will be recording that and making that available as well afterward on our YouTube channel. So, uh, and then we're taking students to the March for Life in Washington, D.C., which this year is going to be different. You know, every year for the last yeah. 49 years, we've marched from the National Mall to the Supreme Court. Well, in light of the Dobbs decision last year overturning Roe v. Wade, this year we are marching to the Capitol. And we are going to uh, urge, you know, federal action to protect the dignity of all human life. Um, of course, going forward, there's a movement within the individual states to protect life. Some states, that's going to be an easier haul because the culture is already being built to support life. Other states, unfortunately, there is not that understanding of the value of the unborn child. Uh, I think particularly of the coastal states where it's, you know, California has enshrined a right, you know, to yeah, all the states and, out here. Yeah, yeah all California, the states. Oregon, Washington. Yep. Yeah. Illinois, New York. Yeah. 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 And so it can be really tough uh, there. But that doesn't, you know, I mean, for 49 years, it was considered impossible that Roe v. Wade would be overturned. And then it was. So hope springs eternal. And the witness of the value of every human life is important. It's important locally. It's important nationally. It's important throughout the world. And so that's why we march. That's what we think about a lot, especially at this time of year as we prepare for the March for Life. But uh, student formation, we're looking forward to a pilgrimage uh, this coming year to perhaps to, um, to England. So lots of exciting things to do. So, yeah, it's fun. All right. Excellent. Excellent. 
Very well, good. And speaking of pilgrimage, I mean, gosh, how what a lovely segue, because we have been talking about pilgrimages for the last number of weeks, and we've been reading this fantastic document on the Pilgrimage in the Great Jubilee, a 1998 document that really explores the spiritual and practical aspects of what a pilgrimage is. And uh, we are now beginning chapter six which is called The Pilgrimage of the Christian Today. And picking up our conversation tonight with paragraph 32, we're, we're kind of nearing the end now, Deacon, because uh, this particular section looks at what uh, they call the, the tent of meeting. Paragraph 32 has a sentence, The shrine towards which they, that is the pilgrims, must be directed is to become the tent of meeting, as the Bible calls the tabernacle of the alliance. The tent of meeting there is a reference, of course, to the tent that was constructed that the Israelites took with them, their portable temple, really, in a way. It was the spot where yeah, yeah. The, where Moses interacted with the Lord, where uh, where sacrifice was offered and where the Ark of the Covenant was uh, was enshrined. And it was at the center of the Israelites' camp when they wandered through the desert for 40 years. And then, it, of course, it was a temporary temple uh, until they constructed the temple in Jerusalem, which is uh, the heavenly Jerusalem is, of course, what we're working towards, as we know from the Revelation of John. So, so that's where we're picking up our conversation tonight, Deacon. Yeah, just a little footnote there. You know, um, you talked about the movable tents. You can, you can see this in Exodus 30 and Exodus 40, where there was the, the tent of meeting, and then there was the altar of sacrifice. And the priests, the high priest and the priests, not the Levites who were the deacons, right? Because <laughs> it's a it's a little sure. bit confusing there because there's the tribe of Levi, which was the priestly tribe that served the other 12 tribes. And within the tribe of Levi, there were high priests, priests, and Levites who were the deacons. So we, you know, you go to Exodus, I mean, um, uh, Numbers chapter 18, you'll, you'll see that the whole institution of the Levites as the servants of the high priest and the priests. But the high priest and priests had to go to the laver, which is a big bowl of water, to wash their hands and their feet after leaving the tent of meeting and going to the altar of sacrifice, right? So, and you look at our mass today. The tent of meetings, so we gather in the church for the word, and then the priest does the lavabo, washes his hands before he begins the liturgy of the Eucharist, the, the sacrifice. Right. You no, know, so there's a beautiful connection here. You know, and, and again, mass as pilgrimage, right? Sure. So in a sense, the mass, every time we go to mass, it's a reminder of this pilgrimage that we've been talking about for the past number of weeks here. You know, so so this little connection for the tent of meeting has a beautiful connection actually with, with our Holy sacrifice of the mass. What a fantastic image. I guess I'd, I'd never really thought about that. In some ways it, uh, you know, as we're facing the altar, we are facing towards the very tent of meeting with the tabernacle yes. at the center. Yes. There you go. Exactly. This paragraph goes on to say the very dynamics of pilgrimages clearly reveals some steps that pilgrims take. There's departure, which is that decision to go. There is the walking, which is the, the actual journey. There is the visit to the shrine itself. So you've, you've reached the goal of your pilgrimage. And then there is the return, which is where we bring back our experience back to our daily life. Um, so departure, walking in the journey, reaching the goal, but then returning and bringing the fruits of that trip 
to your your daily life. This is, as we have talked so many times over the past number of weeks, this is also an example of our Christian life itself. You know, as you said, we go, we experience this when we go to Holy Mass. We go to Mass. We have the you know, walking into the door, reminding ourselves of our baptism through signing ourselves with the cross. We have the actual listening to the word and being fed by the word of God in the, in the liturgy of the word. Then we have the sacrifice itself taking place on the altar at the liturgy of the Eucharist. And then we have that return portion where we are sent out. We're sent out having been fed by the word. We are sent to be ourselves messengers of the word to the world. We are sent to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. Most of us lay people, uh, you know, the vast majority of the church are lay people who are called to sanctify our daily life wherever we are. Even you as a deacon are are sent to encourage and to support us lay people, but you yourself have a job which is not in the church all the time. You are out in the world as well. So this is a fantastic kind of image of what pilgrimage is for us. Yeah, that, that's a wonderful connection there, Ken, because, you know, deacons, even when the Pope says Mass, a deacon reads the gospel because deacons are ministers of evangelization. So we proclaim the gospel and then we kick everybody out at the end of Mass, you know, <laughs> yep. uh, go and be Eucharist to the world. And guess what? We're going to be there with you in the trenches. So we're deacons are to accompany people along the pilgrimage of, of life, you know, to, to, as you said, to help strengthen people in their faith. In fact, that paragraph near the end of 32 says pastoral activity must make it such that through the particular characteristics of each pilgrimage, the believer would essentially accomplish a journey of faith, mm. right? And, oh my goodness, that what a, the journey of faith is a parallel to pilgrimage is very, very clear, very strong. Um, but there's no question, there's no question that we're on a journey of faith and that that there's definitely valleys and hills along that journey. We struggle at times, especially when we lose someone that we love or something happens and we begin to doubt God's presence. And, you know, does God really love me? You know, as, as I hear so many young people lamenting uh, in our culture today, you know, this uh, loss of hope. And at the same time, there's a tremendous joy that even though we look at what's going on around us in the culture today, there's, there's a hopefulness that faith brings that we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, as, as people of faith. And um, so I, I think it's a wonderful way that deacons can be with people along that journey, you know, between Sundays, you know, so that's one of the beautiful parts about our ministry. That is fantastic, Deacon. The uh, I'm glad that you're actually walking with us too. I got to say that. <laughs> that's fun. Um, this next section 33 talks about the aim, so this is where we're going to kind of the rubber hits the road. And uh, in this document talks about the different meetings that we take place and the different kind of ways that a pilgrimage brings us to a meeting. The first off is the tent of meeting with God, kind of as we mentioned already. Um, the pilgrim meets the mystery of God and discovers his countenance of love and mercy. In a particular way, this experience is accomplished in the Eucharistic 
celebration of the Paschal Mystery, in which Christ is at the summit of the revelation of the inscrutable mystery of God. So think about all the pilgrimages that I've been on, whether that be to the Holy Land or to Rome or or I haven't yet been to Guadalupe, but I absolutely want to go, you know, to these very, when we visit shrines and things like that, the high point of those visits is the celebration of Mass, surrounded by the beauty, surrounded by all of the other parts of the experience, but it's breaking bread at the Eucharistic table. This is where we encounter God, and we literally receive our God in the flesh, in the Eucharist, in the bread, and in the wine. And so that's where, that's the highlight of these trips. Um, and that's the, the first and the most important goal of any pilgrimage is to meet face-to-face with God. Yeah, and I love the fact that in the Eucharist, God feeds us along the journey, right? So just mm-hmm. like any journey you take on pilgrimage, you have to eat, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so, he, but, but God gives us himself, the gift of himself, you know, throughout our whole life. In many different ways, he makes himself known to us, right? He makes himself known to us, uh, obviously, in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, in the Word that is proclaimed, in the priest, uh, in the people, and of course, most especially in the Eucharist, but also in the different iterations of things that happen in our life, like the daily journeys and changing that that diaper for the 50th time or, you know, when we're grinding it out at work or, um, you know, when we're uh, helping out in the parish, all these different ways that God speaks to us in the lived experience. And so one of the things that we have to do on this pilgrimage in faith and in love, and it says about discovering his countenance of love and mercy is to discover how God is working in these particular aspects of our life, even in death, even in sadness, you know, um, during the very last mission I did at the end of last year, I got a, someone had given me a donation, but they had a, they uh, wrapped it with a note. And so I said, oh, what is this? So I looked at the note, and uh, this woman had been married almost 40 years. As her husband filed for divorce um, because he's uh, addicted to pornography and has been having affairs and stuff. I got, whoa, married that long? And this kind of stuff is happening, and she's just devastated. And, you know, so even in the midst, again, the, the hills and the valleys of pilgrimage, well, how is God working in that? You know, um, in the midst of pain. How is God's love and mercy shining forth even in uh, situations like that? Because it's easy to turn our backs on God at that point. It's easy to say, God, why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening to us? That kind of a thing. And it's really hard to trust. But that's what God is calling us to on this journey of pilgrimage, to, to trust in him, to recognize that we are not alone, that we don't have to be afraid that he is with us. Yes, it's scary. Don't, we can't deny that. But that God's love and mercy should overcome any fear that we have that we and any trials that we experience in this life that God is with us we just have to settle ourselves and to really look for those moments of God's grace working in the midst of tribulation that's one of the things that you know we're able to do on pilgrimage as well partially because when we're going someplace we're draw we're taken out of our daily life and we're away from it, we can spend time in, you know, reflection. Uh, We can also get a a bit of perspective in a way too. And to look and see, because in the midst, as you're saying, in the midst of the valleys and and the peaks, we get caught up in and it becomes difficult to see the larger ways and the larger 
well, you know, the, yeah, the ways that God is working uh, because we're so focused on the here and now rather than that larger journey that uh, that we are on in this in this life of pilgrimage. Even, you know, even if we are a, a faithful person, you know, even if if I'm a, a regular communicant and I'm, um, uh, you know, in, go to reconciliation frequently and things like that, it's easy to get caught in the rut. Whereas stepping out to go on pilgrimage, whether that be a virtual pilgrimage or hopping on a bus with with fellow pilgrims, is a chance to step away from and to then take stock in what our daily life at home is as we're on our journey, on a real journey to a specific shrine or something like that. This paragraph also draws an interesting piece that is the distinctness of the Christian pilgrimage. It says the itinerary of the Christian pilgrim must reveal an essential point by which Christianity differs from all the other religions. And that is that for human beings, our creator is not an anonymous and remote power. He is the father and we are all his children, brothers and sisters in Christ the Lord. As Christian pilgrims, we are going to meet not an abstract God. We are going to encounter Christ Jesus, who is the very face of the Father, who shows us the face of the Father. And that is the distinctiveness of the Christian faith. There are pilgrimage sites in most every religion uh, in the world has pilgrimage sites, but only in the Christian sites do we truly encounter God-made man, and we are fed by him. That is the distinctiveness of our religion and our faith and the God whom we worship. Yeah, that's a that's a very unique characteristic of Christianity. You know, for our brothers and sisters in, in Islam, they would be highly offended if you ever referred to God as father. You know, they definitely do not see their relationship with God in, in any kind of familial way. You know, and of course, our Buddhists and, and Hindu brothers and sisters don't have this idea of this trinity or family, a communion of persons, just a a, a series of other demigods and, and, and things like that. So very unique in Christianity to see our relationship with God as a family. Yes. Right. He's the father. We are his children, brothers and sisters. And that's why we, we should not diminish the language that Jesus Christ himself gave us to understand the relationship with God as father. That's why he gave us the our father. Right. You know, that that the 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 beautiful prayer that uh, that Christ gave us Himself when the disciples asked Him how to pray. So we shouldn't diminish Him by reducing God to titles, like you know the the in name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier, because we're being politically correct and we think for somehow we're hurting women by referring to God as only Father and that, that's ridiculous, you know. Um, so we can't diminish our experience of God's even if you've had negative experiences with your own father. You know, like I have. I mean, if you know, if if I had to think of of God the Father, like my father back, you know, in, back in the day growing up, I'd be an atheist today. I mean, I would have definitely lost my faith a long time ago. But we have to understand that the the family of God transcends any human family. You know, um, that that we we need to strive toward the no matter what we're going through, we're striving to reach the Father, to to feel His loving embrace. Um, to experience the depth of his love, even if we don't experience that in an earthly way, you know, and that's the way I, I thought about it. And that's the way I kind of move forward in, in my own life. And, and thanks be to God, I did have a reconciliation with my father 
um, you know, uh, before he before he died. Um, but but many people don't have that experience. And so that's why I love the, the fact that, you know, uh, they talk about this pilgrimage experience that. The God, the father must be the heart and the center of, of our pilgrimage experience. Amen. That is uh, that's a deep and very personal reflection. And that's, uh, of course, that is one of the fruits that comes out of pilgrimage as well, is the the opportunity, again, to step outside and to and to deeply reflect upon our own encounter, our own encounter with the father, the son and the spirit. Um, and then to bring back those fruits on the return, as, as it says. One last little bit here in our in our last few moments together tonight is this little bit at the end of, of paragraph 33 that says that the efficacy of shrines, so the kind of the value of, of a pilgrimage site, will be measured more and more according to their capacity to respond to the growing need of a silent and attentive contact with God and with themselves that people feel under the delirious rhythm of modern life. And it's, this is underscoring that, that a shrine or a pilgrimage site is a, a place to be apart from the delirious rhythm of daily life, of modern life, as it says, you know, we are so busy and so tied to the 24 hour news cycle and to the, the, you know, to social media and all of these things that, that we, that we encounter and that we are get caught up in that we need a place as a break. We need a place of silence in which to encounter the Lord. And that's what pilgrimage sites are. That's what shrines are. And that is how we can really judge the, the worth and the value to us as pilgrims in life is how much are we able to encounter God in the silence of these. And that's an, uh, a powerful thing that, that uh, I know I seek when I go on these trips too. Yeah, that's so, that's so true. Um, there's, that's where we listen to God's voices in the silence. You know, we talked about this before, you know, in Carlos Sarah's book mm -hmm. uh, about, about silence and, and, the, and the amazing movie about the Carthusian uh, monks oh, yeah. into great silence. Yes. Oh my goodness. What a powerful, you know, it's a two hour movie where there's almost no talking in the entire movie. Right. It, it's just, it's just looking what it means to immerse yourself in the silence. And, you know, I, and, and I watched that movie for the first time and I just had, you know, it made me miss um, monastic life <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little, I a know. little bit, you know, because, because uh, I, I, it's the silence that I miss more than anything else, to be honest with you. Um, and so I love the fact that here on this pilgrimage journey, we we need to find times to embrace the silence so that we can actually listen to God speaking to us. That's so important. Amen. Well, with that, let us be silent for uh, this week, Deacon. Um, <laughs> we invite you to connect with us uh, on our Facebook page at Living Stones Media. We also invite you to download previous episodes of the show. We make wonderful companion as you're trying to fall asleep. Uh, we've been told that uh, our voices are for those who don't respond to strong insomnia drugs. But uh, you can find our previous episodes of the show at materdeiradio.com. Deacon, until we gather next week on our little audio radio pilgrimage together, might we have a blessing. May Almighty God bless you and keep you the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones.
You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.